Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Lowe Tolhurst, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. The room looks really cool, that's all. <laughs> Consequence Podcast Network. Hey, welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with the interview series presented by WFPK at WFPK.org. Consequence and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks as always for making your way here and checking out the series. Uh, I do hope you hit the subscribe button while you're here as well. I put out uh, three new interviews every single week, a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So it's a great way to keep up with your favorite artists and discover some new ones as well. Of course, you can do so at all the usual spots like iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser. NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from. I'm Kyle Meredith, and today my guest, Kiefer Sutherland. We're going to be talking about his new album, Bloor Street, uh, the actor-musician. We'll be discussing the uh, the romantic balance between the songs, uh, how the pubs of England left their stamp on the material, and why his time filming Designated Survivor put him in a uh, reflective mood. Now, Kiefer goes on to tell us about his multiple times in jail, inspiring one of the record's centerpieces, uh, the crossover between his love of Americana music and the roles that he sometimes gets to play, as well as speaking of those roles, uh, portraying William S. Burroughs in the 2000 movie Beat and Franklin D. Roosevelt in the upcoming uh, series The First Lady. So let's do this. Discussing Bloor Street, it's Kyle Meredith with Kiefer Sutherland. Thank you so much for having us. Congratulations on this. Um, I'm, I'm guessing, so is this what you did with your uh, with your lockdown? Uh, this is part of what I did. I, I managed to actually do three films. Uh, well, two films and a limited series in, in the lockdown. Uh, you know, it's, it's easier to make a film during the pandemic than it is to tour. So, uh, but but I wrote I wrote about three songs before the pandemic. And then the rest of the record was written during the pandemic. And I, I found it really interesting. I mean, clearly, this has been a really difficult, uh, hard time for so many people uh, and, and around the world. And I couldn't help but notice that a lot of the songs I was writing were coming out more positive and hopeful than anything I'd written in the last 10 years. And the reason was that I was kind of, for the first time in my life, stuck at home. I, you know, I, I stopped moving a thousand miles an hour and had to kind of take a look around. And I was just so grateful for how fortunate I've been in my life and how, how much I love my family and how much I love and miss my friends and how comfortable I was in my home for the first time and gosh knows how long. And, and uh, so I, I found that kind of curious that in kind of a really difficult time, uh, I experienced kind of hopefulness and gratitude. And, and, I, I, and I hope that really comes through in the record because it certainly did to me. I mean, I think you said... Uh 
maybe it was online or something, but uh, when you were talking about two stepping in time, uh, if there ever was a song I wrote for lovers, uh, yeah, you know, and it kind yeah. of says a lot about what you're getting at right there, I guess. Well, yeah, it's, it's, you know, the two stepping in time, uh, I was sitting with a friend of mine, Gary Briggs, uh, and my girlfriend at the kitchen Island. And we had recorded a couple songs for this record already. And I was feeling good about those songs. And he said, you know, I, I really think you should write a waltz and, uh, picked up the guitar and started kind of humming a melody. And the melody I came up with ended up better in four, four time. And the lyric I wrote was better in four, four time. So it didn't end up being a waltz, but it's original version was kind of really a country song. And, and Gary was sitting to my right and, and Cindy, my girlfriend, was sitting to down, down the island. And I figured I'd better write to her instead of him. <laughs> Otherwise, it was going to be a long week. Wise choice. Uh, and, and it was very funny. I just, uh, I wrote a love song to her uh, literally in 20 minutes. And first verse and chorus, at least. And then I finished the song over the next couple of days. And then when we went in to record it, the band kind of had a really interesting kind of rock take on it. And, um, you know, and those kind of those eighth notes uh, on the guitar at the very opening of, of the song kind of reminded me of bands like The Knack uh, and kind of early car stuff. And uh, I really dug that. And so the, kind of the, the band helped the song kind of take its own journey. But yeah, it started out as just a really simple love song it's interesting though because there is still a balance on this record for all the love songs there's um feels like at least to the, me as a listener that you get just as many out of love songs like i i specifically will point out like goodbye like right. as one of those ultimate tell-off songs when you when you put the record together do you think of it at all as a narrative no i think the closest thing i do <clears throat> to being outside of the moment of writing a song for the sake of writing that that moment is maybe I'm aware of the set list for a tour. Uh, so I'm thinking, oh gosh, it'd be really good to have a balls out rock song right now. And, and, you know, and so songs on the last record, like Agave came about like that down in a hole came about like that. This record was really kind of just kind of feeling things in the moment and, and kind of making a conscious decision that I didn't want to make a kind of historically accurate country record. Like, uh, not Enough Whiskey was a song that I felt was kind of a, re a real tribute to old school country music. But I wanted to just kind of make a record with the band and kind of see what we came up with. And, and I felt it to be a much more Americana kind of rock record and felt it to be more melodic. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm not really I write the song because I'm writing the song for me and then kind of if it fits in the collage like we recorded 16 17 songs 11 made the record so so at when the songs are done and finished i'll start to kind of see what works together and what makes sense in a kind of larger narrative um but not when i'm writing the individual song <laughs> clearly i can't handle two things at once so i kind of go one step at a time in the old days, those leftover songs we would have called B-sides. They'd be making yeah. their way out. It doesn't really happen well, anymore. And, but And a couple of B-sides, you know, one of them is just absolutely going on the road with us. Uh, it didn't make sense for the record, but it's a song called Friday Night. And, you know, want to drink some whiskey and find me a fight. No better way to start a show than that. I was going to say, you know, speaking of this thing, like, like this is your third record now. At, at some point, you, you've now made it to the point where you could have a greatest hits if you need it. 
you know, it's well, I'd have to have a hit first, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think there should be a rule. You should have at least one hit before you get to put out a greatest hits record (laughs) and fill the next nine slots with songs. No one's ever heard. So you want to be a rock and roll star? No? Well, how about a podcast star? Well, as it turns out, there's a new all-in-one platform just for you. It's called Anchor, and it's the easiest way to make a podcast. And check this out. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor will distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple Podcast and, you know, everywhere else in, uh, in podcast land. And what's even better, you can actually make money from your podcast. Go figure. Uh, No minimum listenership on that. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go ahead, download the free Anchor app right now or go to anchor.fm to get started. So what are you waiting for? Podcast stardom is within your reach. Who else is singing on Down the Line? I I really love that song. Uh, Eleanor Whitmore. Uh, And and it's funny. I mean, I wrote that song because I, I have... A couple of friends, but one specifically uh, that had just made some poor choices in guys kind of in her earlier years. And I couldn't help but notice that she was paying a price for that much greater than a lot of guys that I've known who have made poor choices in love in their early years. And I and it in all fairness, it pissed me off and I didn't think it was very fair. Uh, And so it kind of that song is about just how heartbreaking it is for some, you know, for, for someone, particularly a woman in, in her early forties. And just, um, it's hard to start over, you know, in that situation. And so, but it was never meant to be, uh, a duet. Uh, I sang the vocal and I don't know what I was thinking because Gary Briggs, again, uh, my friend and Chris Lord Algie, uh, who produced the record thought it would make a, a really, beautiful duet and then I heard her sing it and I was like oh my god what were you thinking why were you singing this song um you know and then she also played violin on it which uh, her track her violin track I just think really makes the song musically as well so um you know that uh, that was just a kind of got a lot of help on that song from a lot of people it's got a little bit of an like an Irish folk thing to it at the end of it well yeah and what's really interesting is I am acutely aware of where I am. Uh, I wrote that song. We were doing press for the second record and we were staying at a house in England on Henley on the Thames. And it was in an area that got us into London when we had to do press for that and kind of surrounding towns as well. So um, we were going in the pub all the time and that's what we were hearing. You know, in the Mm. pub, they would have an accordion player and a guitar player and that's the kind of music. And then all of a sudden you start writing songs that sound like that. Uh, so I, it's a, there's a real benefit to touring is because every time you get to another country or another place, uh, if you're allowed to get out and, you know, get around the town, the impact that those, those songs have in whatever area you're in are significant. I think that's what a lot of artists have had, not say a problem, but an issue with on, on, you know, records that they have written over these last couple of years because of the lack of touring that so many artists have had to go inside themselves, you know, to, right. to a lot of to their past. Um, right. Just to kind of dig up that stuff. Well, and it's, and, and so to that note, I mean, I thought what was so funny for me and not funny, haha, but literally, I mean, I was doing designated survivor for three years in Toronto, Canada, 
that's when I wrote Bloor Street. Hadn't been, that's where I grew up. Hadn't been home uh, for that amount of time since I was 15 years old. Uh, then in between that, for the last three years, we did 500 shows on the road. Um, it's hard to kind of count the hours to the minutes to figure out how we had the time to do it, but we did. And so all of a sudden the pandemic hits and it's like a hard break in your home and you're not allowed to see any friends. You're not allowed to see your kids. I don't know what else you do, but be reflective, you know? And, uh, and I think for me, it was really long overdue. Yeah. Well, a lot of talk has been said about County Jail Gate, which before I knew what it was about, it was already a song that stood out, but more so in those, like, uh, I was thinking about when like Johnny Cash doing Shel Silverstein's uh, 25 Minutes to Go, you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, yeah. how did you it's... approach that one? Because it does have that classic story style to it. Well, I'll tell you, I, I was watching a movie at home and, uh, and the opening of the movie was a man getting out of prison. And they did it really well. And the gates started to open and the screeching of the metal and then the buzzer started going and the lights started flashing. And I had a visceral reaction, like I got nauseous. And I looked at the TV, I was by myself and I went, man, there ain't no sound. I learned to hate more than the sound of the county jail gate. And a white bulb went off and went, wow, I like that. Off went the TV and I went to the kitchen island and started writing that song. Because it's true. I, I hate that sound. And, and the reason why is, is, first of all, you've made a really dumb mistake to be in this position in the first place. But when you hear that, that's it. It's done. There's no going back. There's no saying sorry. There's no, you know, you're going inside. This is going to happen. And, and whatever jokes and kind of way you kind of tried to toss it off your shoulder or whatever, that's all over. This is the moment where you go, I hope I don't get in trouble here and, you know, pull my boots up and, and uh, try not to look anybody in the eye and kind of mind my P's and Q's. You go through a list of like how to get your crap together really seriously. And um, and even now I'm laughing about it, but I'm laughing out of a kind of sense of embarrassment and, and absolute humility. I mean, for real, that moment those moments and I've gone to jail a few times you just you're so cross and angry with yourself that you've allowed yourself to do something so stupid and 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 lazy like a thousand different choices could have made that not happen right and I'm not and I don't care whether I'm talking about you know a drinking incident or a fighting incident but there's a thousand ways to have avoided those situations and it's pure laziness to not have and so I wrote the song about that and and just this there's a line in it that I really love wasted times. What's on my mind. Cause this ain't no way to live. You know, by the time you start singing that to yourself, you're angry, you know, and not at anybody else. This isn't anybody's fault. This is all you. And so uh, for me, it was important to write that because that's the process of beginning to kind of move past it. Uh, and I wasn't aware of that until I'd finished it. So now I'm completely ready to get in trouble again. <laughs> Good luck on that. <laughs> Thanks very much. Yeah. Um, so, so bridging, you know, your two careers when I, when I was listening to the record and, and you know, your other records too, which, you know, we've enjoyed here at WFPK in Louisville since Thank you've been you. putting those out, you know, when you found your style, what it sounds like, as you've talked about this Americana, you know, sometimes country and looking at your roles, do, do you find that you like those type of roles in the same way that you fall towards this type of music? Like, like recently, 
in the past few years he did Forsaken, but of course all the way back to Young Guns when we think about, you know, the type of music that, that mm -hmm. fits with these movies. Well, you know, the sad thing for me, you know, and, and acting is the great love of my life and this will be something as long as they let me do, I will be doing till I die, you know, to, as long as they let me. Um, but you don't get the choice, right? You know, 24 was something that I absolutely loved doing. The gift of a lifetime for an actor. Uh, and I love that character. When 24 ended, it, it didn't mean that I could just immediately go into something that was kind of in the same genre. And, and, and because that the development process of that takes years and, and having the right writers and all. So it's not like being able to sit down and write a song and, and say, well, this is kind of what I'm into and this is what I want to sound like. I'm in control of that, uh, which I find ironic given that, you know, I started music so late, but I'm in control of the way I want to sound and I'm in control of what I write and I'm in control of how I want that presented. Um, the acting thing, there's a lot, you know, even, even though I've been, you know, relatively successful, there is a lot out of my control. And so, you know, it's, it's like going to the grocery store, you know, on, on a Sunday, not the best day to get your produce, right. you know, um, <laughs> But sometimes you got to go on Sunday, whereas songwriting to me is like you got your farm, you know, and you just pick when it's ready to when it's ready to pick and you go forward like that. It's and there's something very liberating about that. But, yeah, I mean, I think for every actor, if, if they could start just doing what they kind of were moved by spiritually and kind of creatively, uh, the landscape of film, film and television would be very different. Well, I, I will take the moment then to at least while I have this, if you don't mind. A couple of, I mean, listen, when you did William Burroughs, and this is out of context, anything I think we're talking about, but uh, in Beat, yeah, how you embody that. Uh, I go back to that every few years. That's one of those movies that I revisit. Oh, thank you, man. Over thank and over. You. It's so well. Like, I don't think of Burroughs these days, and I'm a big fan. Uh, without thinking of you. That's what it's turned oh, into. Oh, wow. Well, thank you. That's, that's an honor. Thank you very much. Um, I loved William Burroughs. I loved his writing, but I loved his, his life. Uh, I mean, aside from shooting his wife in Mexico, right. everything else about his life, I really respected. Um, because he just followed his own path. Uh, and, and they wear trailblazers in the sense that in kind of, late 50s, early 60s, they were they were not only kind of and an, that beatnik group, but they were creating a kind of writing and a style that was completely their own. Uh, but they were also figuring out a lifestyle, whether it was alcohol, drugs, um, fidelity, uh, sexuality, gay, straight, uh, all these different things were, were being experimented with. And I, and I and I think that that kind of questioning is really good and is really important. And I just, I never felt that William Burroughs lied. Uh, he was just a really honest guy. It didn't mean that I had to like everything he said, but I at least respected that he was coming from a place of truth. So I really wanted to play that character in that sense that I had a lot of respect for him. And uh, yeah, and, 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 and you of the maybe nine people that have seen that movie, thank you so much. It's great. And I'm looking forward to seeing what you do with FDR. Uh, I share with you that uh, as far as historical presidents, my favorites in that one. So mine too. I can't yeah. wait to see how that series comes about. Uh, that's that's coming out in the first lady comes out in April, I believe. And me too. I mean, it was just once you have the voice down, you know, of, of a historical character, if you can get that and you can embody that, 
the rest is just so much fun, you know, and FDR had such a distinctive voice that it actually made it, you know, kind of easier. So did it. So did William Burroughs, actually. Like I said, that's uh, you were the embodiment of that one. So in the meantime, Blur Streets, uh, again, it's so much fun to listen to. Kiefer, uh, congratulations on this one. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to talk about it, too, man. I really appreciate it. Absolute pleasure, man. And thank you for your support. And and just uh, the last time we played Louisville was, I think, the Bourbon and Beyond Festival. Mm -hmm. And uh, can't wait to come back. Yeah, please do. Visited the baseball bat museum more than once. So I I, I think I'm going to need a tour guide (laughs) next time we're back there. But uh, thanks, brother. And uh, take care. And my thanks, Kiefer Sutherland. Again, the new album is called Bluer Street. Uh, big thanks to you as well for checking out the episode. Uh, hit that subscribe button before you get out of here. Again, uh, you get a new episode every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday with all your favorite artists. iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, Podchaser, NPR, YouTube for the video versions, or again, anywhere you get your podcast from. Subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Then after that... Head over to WFPK.org. That's where I do a show Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern. It's an hour full of song premieres, music news, anniversary spins, bonus interviews. That's Monday through Friday, 6 p.m. Eastern at WFPK.org. Consequence has your music and film news. You can also find me on the social media spots as well, uh, mostly on Twitter, but also Facebook and Instagram, all three of them, at Kyle Meredith. I do hope you like and follow along. That does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. There you go, man. It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Hey there, it's Kyle Meredith from Kyle Meredith With. After you check out the latest episode of my show, uh, be sure to check out some of our other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including Standing BTS, a bi-weekly podcast covering all things BTS and ARMY, and The Opus, Consequence's original documentary podcast exploring legendary albums and their lasting legacies. So head to consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others. 